0: I remember like it was yesterday. We were all sitting in a conference room at the Ave Maria Press offices in South Bend, Indiana. We had just finished eating our lunch of Jimmy John's. And we were looking at a big whiteboard on the wall covered with notes. Ideas about what we wanted to tackle in this new endeavor of Ave Explorers. Articles, videos, podcasts, eventually Facebook Live conversations, Stories that we wanted to tell, people that we wanted to highlight, things that we really wanted to dig into to help people live their faith a little bit more every single day. And one of the big ideas of this entire project was this podcast, the Ave Explores podcast, where we would spend time, you know, longer than 20 minutes spend a good amount of time with a guest and hear their story, listen to their ideas, dig into their area of expertise, and help expand the topic. And we've dug into a variety of topics. Art and architecture, Our Lady, faith and science, uh, different issues concerning social justice and living our faith in the public square, what it means to be a Catholic family. We've wanted to, to dig into issues that are relevant to people who want to live their faith every single day, and have conversations with people who are, I'm going to say, on the front lines of these issues, but really just have an experience with this particular topic. Have something to say. And we want to be the platform. We want to be the place where folks get to hear what they have to say. And so to really kind of highlight the good work that we've been doing, to to share a little bit of the 150,000 downloads of this podcast that we've had We here at the Ave Maria Press team have created a bit of a summertime playlist, if you will, of some of our favorite episodes from our two years and our 10 seasons of Ave Explores. Here in season 11, we are resharing episodes that we have really loved, conversations that were really excellent. And of course, all of them have been great, but conversations that we really want to bring back into your ears to share with you, to, to bring back to the front of your mind conversations that have been inspiring, have been challenging, have been hope filled and hopeful. Conversations that I think need to be heard again. Conversations that we know have done a lot of good in the life of the church and in the hearts and minds of a lot of people. So, as we reshare these episodes here in season 11, we're going to do a couple of things. I'll give you kind of a little bit of a preview of what's coming up in the episode tell you a little bit about what into creating the episode and then giving you a, a bit of a takeaway, something that you can think about as a result of that conversation that we had, whether it was two years ago or just a few months ago. And then in the emails that you'll get every week when you sign up for this Ave Explorers summer playlist reboot, well, we'll also tell you some other episodes that we hope that you pay attention to. If you liked this one, then you'll really love this. If you enjoyed this, then you should go read that. Really just reminding you of all the great stuff that we've created at Ave Explorers for you. And sharing with you the good work that we've done to really have these excellent conversations with experts. With people who are living their faith every day. With people who are trying to be a little bit better every single day, just like you. First up, we're sharing with you our first ever episode that we did here at Ave Explorers. With my good friend Jeannie Gaffigan, wife of Jim Gaffigan, mom and author brain tumor survivor, and just all-around incredible lady who shares her faith in a really vibrant and visible way. And in this first episode of Ave Explores, Jeannie sat down and shared with us the story of surviving a brain tumor the size of a pear. She tells us a bit about her book, and she especially shares with us how her faith, her Catholic faith, and her love of the Blessed Mother was an anchor for her in even the darkest and scariest moments. You know, Jeannie is somebody who is, is doing great things within the life of the church, both within her children and in and, and sharing the faith and highlighting the good work of great Catholic people, speaking up against uh, horrible injustices in our culture and even within our church. And I, I think back to this episode, I think back to this interview, when we scored this interview with Jeannie, I was so thrilled and so excited. And she's actually since become a friend. Jeannie's become somebody that I chat with on a regular basis. We email back and forth. We share pictures of our kids. We tell each other stories. We check in with one another when we know things might be challenging or difficult. I I think back to that first conversation where I was kind of fangirling a little bit on the Zoom call, and now when we text each other back and forth, I, I love the fact that I can say our friendship started with this conversation for Ave Explorers. So I hope you sit back and enjoy this conversation with Jeannie Gaffigan about her faith about her relationship with Mary, about raising kids, that we had for Ave Explorers all the way back in August of 2019. This is Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explorers. Don't you hate it when you have perfected a magnificent schedule and then suddenly you get interrupted by an enormous brain tumor? That totally sucks, right? So begins Jeannie Gaffigan's new book, When Life Gives You Pears, The Healing Power of Family, Faith, and Funny People. You probably recognize that last name Gaffigan because you know Jeannie's husband, Jim, a stand-up comedian very well known for his comedy specials.
1: Cause little boys are savages! I have three little boys. Each of them has headbutted me for no reason at all. (laughs) Oh, well, we are in church. Okay.
0: This is two New York Times best-selling books, a movie that just recently came out showing his incredible acting skills in the dramatic category. But what if I told you that if you think Jim is funny, just wait till you have a conversation with Jeannie. And if you think Jim is smart, just wait till you read Jeannie Gaffigan's new book, which tells the story of finding out she had a brain tumor, literally almost dying a few times, and the remarkable story not only of recovery, but of faith, of family, of friends, and of funny people, just like the tagline of the book says. When we um, planned out Ave Explorers and all of the content that we've been unpacking and doing and and, and that's going to be released just this coming Tuesday, October the 15th, Jeannie Gaffigan was like on my bucket list of people I'd maybe love to talk to about her Catholic faith, about her Catholicity, but I never really expected to get a response back. But then Jeannie followed me on Twitter, kind of out of nowhere. Uh, shout out to Tommy Tai, our mutual friend. And then I shot her a message, and that led me to her publicist. And the next thing I know, she and I were Skyping just this morning, talking not just about her book, but about her faith, about her relationship with Our Lady, about what it was like to, to literally be in, in a tomb of sorts and, and to suffer so greatly and yet at the same time grow in such faith and, and resilience, both in her family and, and with her children and in her own life. Uh, today's interview, I think, will make you laugh. I think will, will surprise you a little bit. I think we will give you some insights into the, the power of, of not just the rosary, but, but of Our Lady's witness and example just in general. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode, A Conversation with Jeannie Gaffigan. Well, Jeannie Gavigan, thank you so much for joining us today on the AVE Explorers podcast. We are thrilled to have you. Um, tell us about who you are. I mean, your, your name carries a lot of weight. I think a lot of people know who you are, but just who are you? Where are you? What are you? What are you, what are you doing with your life? Um, well, I'm, um, you
1: know, best known as comedian, Jim Gavigan's wife. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, I'm just, you know, a mother of five who... Was you know working along in her busy life, a lot of wonderful like blessings in her career, co-writing with my husband, producing TV and film, and um, kind of being too busy to go to the doctor myself. And um, through a series of miracles, discovered that I had a massive brain tumor and had you know a very short time to live if I did not do something immediately about it. So, um, how this kind of story figures into my Catholicity, which is my new favorite word that you just taught, is that, um, the timing of this whole thing was very, uh, you know, significant in that, um, when by no, uh, plan, um, the, when I finally got the MRI, which was about, I don't know, uh, a week after I was supposed to get the MRI for, because I thought I was pregnant and you can't get MRI when you're pregnant. I went uh, back and um, when I was told I had a mass in my brain, instead of, you know, whatever they thought was wrong with my ear. um, It was the, it was a Tuesday. Now that Friday was good Friday. The weekend was Easter weekend. So Right in the middle of this busy schedule, I get this news. And then Wednesday, I have to like just try to figure out how to deal with it because I don't have a neurosurgeon. You know, I don't, I, the doctor who told me I had a mass in my brain was a ENT. So he was kind of like, okay, it's not your ear. You have a mass in your brain. Here's some phone numbers. I can't really give you any advice at this point because it's not in my jurisdiction or whatever the word was. So I was like, okay, thank you so much. <laughs> all right. Um, and then, so I got really on, on Wednesday, I was like, okay, I have to kind of figure out what to do here. And, um, I also, my mother who is like, you know, probably going to be canonized at some point had nine kids kept us through the thicket then kept, you know, saying the rosary for all of us. Um, I couldn't tell her. I mean, I could not tell my mother. I have a mask in my brain. We don't know if it's cancer. We don't know. You know, we had no idea what was going on. And, but it wasn't enough of a emergency for them to like send me to the hospital. So I was like, okay, well maybe it was a smudge on the MRI screen. Who knows? You never know. Never know. So what I did was I reached out to um, my prayer warrior community. And I said, and particularly my second cousin, Marita, who's more like my aunts, because she grew up in the house with my mother. Mm-hmm. So uh, she had a ministry, a healing ministry at her church um, for like lost causes, like people who are diagnosed with cancer, who had like two seconds to live and had told me stories of miraculous healings. Mm-hmm. So I called her and I said, you know, can we get the the put out the Catholic bat signal and and put the prayer warriors on it. And, um, she was like, um, on it. And then, um, also, um, Jim, my husband was like, why don't you call John? My friend John is a neurologist in Milwaukee. And we, it wasn't like he became a neurologist and became friends. We were like kids together. He grew Mm up close to me. He just happened to be a neurologist. And that was the, we had a report that didn't make any sense. It was like posterior fossa, all this medical Mm. terminology that I was Googling and getting more worried. So um, he asked us just to get the scan and send him the scan because we couldn't look at the scan because our computers were too like, uh, you know, rudimentary. Mm. So he needed a hospital um, computer. So anyway, the next day, Holy Thursday, by the way, um, he, he... Went in first thing in the morning, looked at the scan, texted me, and said, "This is, I'm looking at your scan, it's really not good news. Mm-hmm. And then texted me a picture of the inside of my brain with what appeared to be a pear mm-hmm. uh, lodged into my, my brain stem, which is basically the ability for your brain to communicate with your body. Mm-hmm. And it really didn't look like there was much left of my brain stem. Um, because it was so compressed. It's supposed to be like an open and it was kind of shoved to the side. There's a Mm -hmm. photograph in the book.
0: It's
1: (laughs) very intense. So he said, you need a plan. You need to get this out of your brain. We don't know what it is or why it's there, but you just need to get it out because it's like a ticking time bomb. Mm -hmm. So um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have a doctor and he told me um, you know, Google the top neurosurgery department in New York city, get to the ER with the scan and say, Hey, uh, I'm, I have this in my brain and I'm not feeling too great. Um, and they have to take me and they won't be able to do anything about it except for get me to a neurosurgeon. So he's mm-hmm. like, that's the plan. Seems kind of like crazy to like, this is very unknown and, you know, uh, unknown territory. So Jim and I, who, you know, have been a great team in a lot of ways um, and produced many things, including five incredible kids, teamed up and said, okay, we're going to go deal with this right now. And when we were going to the hospital, I had no idea what I was in for, Mm -hmm. but through a series of mini miracles um, that I describe in my book. I somehow never went to the ER and walked right up to the chief of neurosurgery uh, office, like no card, no name, nothing. Mm -hmm. I just walked in um, and he put the scan in and was like, yes, this is very serious. And it just so happened that this man um, who wasn't like a walk-in clinic, like it was like his delayed. um, He was uh, delayed in surgery and was there. He was like the person who was like pretty much the most qualified in the world to deal with this very specific location and type uh-huh. of brain tumor. So you can't really make that up. No,
0: I yeah.
1: yeah. So then he said, that, that, and then Jim was like, are you going to operate on her right now? And he said, well, that would be very dangerous because what we have to do is we have to get her in here tomorrow, which was good Friday. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to weave this thread in. Back to Catholic. Um, to, yes to do a series of scans to kind of uh, map out the brain and all the nerves and blood vessels and everything so that when I am able to admit gene to the hospital on Monday, by the way, I had the weekend off, <laughs> it, I will be able to see her brain and know how I can save all her vital organs and nerves and everything that is functioning through this brainstem. So, um good friday i was spent i was not i did not set foot in a church but i um was in the um mris all day and cat scans and so i um asked uh my nun friends to kind of be there for me Like yeah. i felt like the first thing you want to do is go into you know a church in front of the blessed sacrament and be like hey jesus i know i've been really busy and haven't like talked to you in a while but um like this, but, um, help. And I couldn't do that. So, but when you are in a situation like that, there is a community that mm-hmm. will take your case, you know? Yep. And, you know, of course God was with me the whole time and the church might be, you know, a symbolic house, but I, it was really important for me for someone to go in front of, you know, yeah. so, um, then I had Saturday and Sunday with my family and I had like the most amazing Easter vigil anointing of the sick. I got at the, mm. after the vigil, which was incredible because it was like this, this ceremony that was very like almost primitive with the fire. It was so mm. meaningful to me. And I was like, wow, I can, you know, it was like all for me, you know, yeah. in my mind. and then I had the anointing of the sick and I felt, you know, like I, I was ready to, um, you know, believe in heaven yeah. I, that's yeah. where was supposed to go. So that's a huge step for me. And then I had a beautiful family day on, on, on Sunday, a beautiful Easter mass and uh, went to mass again and with the family and then um, went to the hospital um, on Monday. And so first of all, the liturgical calendar kind of informed like the hope. Yeah. It's like, there's the, the death and then there's the resurrection. So I yeah. felt really positive about the timing of this whole thing. And, um, however, it was not easy, so, so there were times, um, after the surgery, which was a a miraculous success, um, I contracted a double lung strep pneumonia that put my life in serious jeopardy and I was in the ICU. And during that time where I had all the tubes and I was uncomfortable and alone and isolated and I couldn't really, you know, hear and see and talk. And swallow and all the things that I had taken for granted. I was kind of cloistered in this very, um, you know, forced monastery Mm -hmm. situation where I was like alone with myself and I could either go down to depression or look at the light of God. And I feel like that although I couldn't actually, you know, touch a rosary or feel the beads, I got through that time, my communication was the, 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 the meditation mm-hmm. on the rosary. And so I don't know how else I would have gotten through that Those mm-hmm. that time. Two weeks ago, felt like, you know, 10 years to me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Jeannie just said something profound that I think we just need to take a, a moment and, and, and think about, that the rosary is what kept her mentally and, and spiritually healthy during this scary time um, in the ICU, unable to eat, unable to, to, to see just this, this, this forced cloister. Like she said, the rosary was her connection. The rosary was her communication. Our lady was an access point, an on-ramp for her. And I think Our Lady is an on-ramp for a lot of us. And to learn more about Our Lady and to be able to truly understand her role in your life and in your faith, I highly encourage you to go sign up for all of the Ave Explorers content at AveMariaPress.com or go ahead and text AVE, A-V-E, to 33233. Okay, back to the rest of the interview with Jeannie Gaffney.
1: It was my the spiritual tool and the conduit, the, the line to heaven, and I felt like, you know, the the blessed mother was there with me, yeah, and advocating um, on my behalf,
0: and yeah, yeah, like a mom, you know, just like what my mom's supposed to do, right? Like moms, they go to bat for their kids. <laughs> yes. So when one of her kids is in distress, I'm struck by you saying. You were in. You, you said I didn't go to church on Good Friday. Yeah, you did. I mean, you were in an MRI, like right, like you were in a tomb the whole day. Um, I was in a tomb for sure. And yet there was there was resurrection, and there's grace, and there's joy that comes forth from even that intense suffering. Um, that's one of the most profound Christian mysteries. What did this do? to the faith of your, your family. And I mean, I don't want you to expose your children to the world necessarily, but, but was there like, was there tension? Was there struggle? Was there, I remember when a hurricane hit my hometown when I was a junior in high school, I was very angry at God. Cause something bad happened. I mean, how did this tragedy arguably affect the faith of, of the whole Gaffigan crew?
1: Well, you know, I have to say that, um, you know, Jim, um, as like became the leader of the family rosary. And I really believe that when uh, a father leads the family rosary, it has a completely different impact mm-hmm. than when crazy mom is like, all right, everyone, <laughs> everybody. Yeah, exactly. It, and so I, I can't stress that enough that fathers, if you're listening, that I feel like fathers need to take a leadership role with the family rosary. It's an extremely important thing. And even if, by the way, the little ones are climbing all over the couch and making silly faces. And, um, just to understand that something's happening Mm -hmm. there. And, um, you know, Jim, Jim tells a very funny story about, um, doing the, um, saying the rosary for me, um, when I was in the hospital with the kids, um, about, um, one of the kids like, you know, having you know, he Jim was saying, "Look, do you want to say something to God?" I can't. I'm going to butcher this story because it's <laughs> there. But you know, do you want to say something for mom? You know, before we do this decade or whatever. And I think that Michael said something like, um, "Dad, um, how, do you snap your how do you snap your fingers?" Like he wasn't really there, yeah. but like, um, and it, you know, it's like. <laughs> so that, that didn't hurt anybody, but it kind of broke the the yeah, want- attention and the seriousness of the situation. Um, so I have to say that um, my kids, like during the most crisis-filled time, were amazing. Like uh, like rocks, they were rock stars. They. Um, you know, were very, they were, first of all, they were very happy that grandma was there. They were very, uh, well cared for by my siblings. and from nine children. Um, you know, in, when I started to get a little bit better, that's when some behavior issues started happening, like at school and at, you know, and I had to deal with that in, with my recovery as well, being like, okay, now my kids are acting crazy. <laughs> but during the time, you know, it was a very significant time when I was, uh, Uh, post recovery. I mean, my son, Jack got his confirmation. My son, Katie got her first communion. There was a lot of like, uh, faith in my family that was just kind of like, look, kids, here's the example. When we have faced tragedy in life, which we are going to, and this might not be the last one for sure. It won't be, Mm -hmm. um, life is hard. Um, we turn to God and that's the deal. That's the way it is. And we and we come out victorious in whatever whatever happens, whatever his will is, we come out victorious. And so only by setting that example um for your kids and not being like, Oh no, it's the end of the world. You know, they they hear that and they see that mm-hmm. and they they'll be like, wait a minute, you know, here you are telling us about heaven and how important it is to have faith, but then when something happens to you, you don't have faith, mm-hmm. like pick up on that hypocrisy. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I think that at the other end of this, I see a family that is, you know, pretty strong in their faith.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, I, I think of Mary. She stood at the foot of the cross, right? Like there's kids pick up on the idea that that we are stalwart in that face of tragedy and that Good Friday comes, but there's always Easter Sunday. There's there's resurrection. Um, it might be longer than 48 hours, but there's always resurrection that arrives, um, so what's next, Jeannie Gaffigan? I mean, you have beaten a pear-shaped tumor in your in your brainstem. You've got five kids. Uh, what what what's what's your bucket list? Like, what's you you you've you've beaten death and at its own game. So so where are you headed?
1: I mean, I just don't think that I really have to look for anything. It just kind of happens. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean one of the things that came out of this, like project-wise is um, it became very clear to me in my you know my forced monastery that I yeah. was you know, for that when you know you have small children, there are uh, amazing opportunities whether they're you know church programs um, or even you know the um, sacramental preparation and there are these amazing um, you know things at the zoo and the art museum and there's all this stuff to do. And I think that when kids become teenagers, everything just stops. They're confirmed. They're, they are like, kind of like, why am I going to church? There's, there's not a lot to do except for, you know, be on the social media and, right. um, and social media is great. Believe me. But, um, there's not a lot of like, uh, it, you know, kids sometimes like, they look at the world, they look at everyone fighting and they're like, where do I fit into this? It's just not, not worth it. And there's a lot of like teen anxiety and depression, and I mean I'm sure you've seen the numbers. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. So essentially, when and as soon as I was able to pretty much walk. By the way, the first walk that was off my own block because I had to do laps well with the walker and the oxygen tank uh, for a while before I could go too far, but I went to mass that was the first thing and I remember, um Deacon Paul Vitali who's one of the um the leaders at our, our parish when I walked up to the to receive communion he he like jumped <laughs> yeah. me because he had just seen me with in the bed with tubes and I was like hey deacon paul um <laughs> but very shortly after that I um you know went to the pastor and, and the director of religious education I said we need to do a post confirmation, uh, service group at our church. I mean, it's like, well, I have these kids that are getting older and I, I want them to have more than what the world has to offer them and what frankly the church has to offer them right now. So, um, so we started this group for post confirmation kids called the warriors at our church and we have, it's youth led. So, mm kids uh you know we talk about the gospel we talk about the beatitudes that's kind of the basis of the whole thing is like what and what has all this sacramental preparation meant for you and what kind of person um are are you what kind of relationship do you have with god or do you believe you're loved Mm -hmm. and perfectly made in god's image and what can you do to spread the gospel with your actions so the, uh, and kids love to be creative and they love to have an opinion and, and argue against things. And, you know, so we, you know, we have a whiteboard and we don't have a really classroom situation. We have more of like a boardroom situation <laughs> where we make lists of like community issues and homelessness mm-hmm. and what we can do. And then, um, and the kids lead it and then they engage our parish community in a drive of some sort, whether mm-hmm. like right now they're working on, um after Halloween, they're going to um, have everyone in all the neighborhood businesses uh, donate their leftover candy. And there's two projects going on right now. One is for the um, troops and first responders through um, uh, another organization that makes care packages and, um, you know, stationery and pens and things mm-hmm. for people who are away from the family to just have a like a little yeah. gift of love. And then the other one is making trick-or-treat baskets for the kids in um, the cancer ward at Sloan Kettering um, hospital um, who aren't able to trick-or-treat this year. And, um, but I mean, they, they have like a li- they have a, a calendar of service through the year that the kids design the posters. They do the announcements. They get more involved in like lecturing. Um, they get, they're getting more involved in like they do the collection. They, they, you know, they've become more a part of the community and yeah. they're, um, and it's, it, it's like become a very successful program. And then from that, I met all these other youth leaders in, in interfaith. Um, yeah. communities. And, um, so myself and a few other, um, parents who also were kind of desperate for our, our to own teenagers to have something, um, meaningful, um, started an, an interfaith organization called the Imagine Society, which, um, unites g- groups from different faiths, cultures, and economic backgrounds for, um, social events where they mix into different groups and come out with, uh, plans mm. for what they feel they can do to elevate society. Um, so, and all of this kind of just occurred to me when I was in yeah, the hospital. That's incredible. It just came to me. Yeah. So, it was the Holy Spirit. So, and, and, and now it's been yeah. having success. The Imagine Society if you want to check us
0: out. Ah, oh my gosh. I mean, as somebody who works with teenagers and professionals in youth ministry, this is profound. And you're practically leading the march in youth ministry today. This is exactly what Francis talked about in Crease vivit. Young people become protagonists, young people taking ownership of their faith and not waiting for permission, but just going forth. So that was not the answer I was expecting, but I'm so happy that I heard it. Uh, yeah. It's not it's, another book about a tumor, I hope. That's what, well, <laughs> uh, fingers crossed. Uh, I think you should do stand-up. I, I mean, I don't know if Jim's in the room and he's – I'm giving you competition, but I think you should do stand-up.
1: Uh, I'm way too long form. Jim is a, a wordsmith, and he has a talent that – like, Jim has taught me uh, a lot about writing comedy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm a long-form storyteller. Like yeah. I use a lot of extraneous words and stand up. I, I It would not work.
0: You're practically a Cajun and I love it. Um, well, Jeannie, I, I, we could keep going, but I, I don't want to keep you all day. I, you, it's profound what you have to share. It's a profound story. I'm so happy that you are not only well, but that you are out there sharing this message that you had your moment in the cloister where Mary very much uh, comforted you and that you were able to, to share that, that inspiring just vision and, and experience with us today. Um, where can folks find you? Obviously the book is number 15 right now on the New York times list and will only raise, I'm sure where can folks find you and, and, and see where you're going to be and, and everything else.
1: I would say go to Jeannie Um, But oh, for, you know, more uh, frequent updates, just follow me on uh, Twitter at Jeannie or on Instagram, Jeannie
0: It's remarkable to see how the Lord can work. Um, through even the most challenging of circumstances, and, and I think a pair-sized brain tumor is certainly a challenging circumstance. And so much of what Jeannie said, including there at the end where she talks about helping her teenage children really invest in their faith by, by serving, by going out and, as Mother Teresa would tell us, finding a Calcutta right in front of us, by, by serving those people right in front of us, by trying to live the Beatitudes. I think it's incredible that, that Jeannie and Jim Gaffigan, famous comedy writers and comedians producing incredible things, are involved in their parish life are people of faith, raising faithful kids, wanting to save the world and serve the world through the gospel. Jeannie, I think is a testament to faith lived well and faith lived in the everyday and faith lived in, in arguably some very secular contexts, right? The comedy world is not always the most Christian place and yet they're able to give witness to their faith and they're able to, to talk about the, the, the grace of God in these very real and profound ways to where their Catholicity is on full display. And I think in all of that, of course, to link back to Mary, our mother, the project of this Ave Explores season, to, to really think about the way Mary was present to her and to her family in a dark moment, in a scary moment. If you caught there while she was telling the story about her little boy asking, you know, does uh, Jim says, does anybody want to say anything for mom? And his first thought was he wanted to ask mom a question. Like he wanted mom to teach him how to do something, how to snap his fingers. I think it just highlights how close we are to our mothers and how close God's own mother wants to be to us. What a gift. What an incredible opportunity to have this conversation, to share this conversation with you. I'd encourage you to go grab a copy of Jeannie's book, When Life Gives You Pears. Like we said, it is currently on the New York Times bestseller list. It's number 15. It's only going to rise in the ranks. It is an incredible read. My husband and I keep fighting over the copy of it that we have in the house because it's so much fun. I, I hope you go grab a copy. We have a link down in the show notes. You can find Ave Explore's summer playlist, 10 Catholic Podcast Episodes You Need to Hear over on AveMariaPress.com. Sign up to get the weekly email straight to your inbox, and you can see kind of our, our favorite episodes from the entire Ave Explorers lineup over the past couple years, as well as links to some of the other episodes that we know are challenging and inspiring, articles, Facebook Lives. We can't wait to reshare all the stuff with you. Click on over to AveMariaPress.com right now to find all of that at the top of the website. We'll see you soon.